Chase Claypool has been traded again, but does anybody care? The Pac-12 once again takes center stage in the college football world this week. Flag football could be an Olympic sport in 2028. All that and more coming up next on the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host Brian Bosarz, joined as always by my co-host Shane P. Hallam. Shane, 196 days, 22 hours, 58 minutes and 20 seconds away from the 2024 NFL Draft. Yeah, we're halfway through the college season. I mean, the college season is moving at a pretty rapid pace here. We're about halfway through, uh, so we're starting to get maybe a couple bigger games sprinkled in, and then we'll, we'll get the race to the end here. So I'm excited to see how the, some of these draft prospects play out because we still have a lot of questions. Always nice to see when that countdown gets uh, under a milestone, under 200 days now until the draft comes up. But uh, speaking of the draft, if you got any questions about said 2024 NFL draft and you're following along live in the chat, drop that question in there. Uh, if you're following along on Twitter, uh, mm. send it to at draft count and there will reply. Or if you're a member of our Discord, uh, go there and ask a question. If you're not a member, please go to draftcountdown.com, the top right corner of the search bar and hit that uh, button that says Discord at the top, and that'll be a link to join. And uh, as always, of course, if you're uh, new to the channel here on YouTube and you're not subscribed, please go ahead and do that and uh, hit that notification bell and like the videos and all that good stuff as well. But uh, Shane, it's... Uh, it's going to be a night, man, and uh, we're going to got a lot to talk about here and but as we started with last week and i think we had a little fun with it so we're gonna <laughs> we're just gonna make this a weekly thing uh this week not in the top 10 this week is the cincinnati Bengals. yeah there like, you go feels you like the madman joe burrow is back looked good yesterday so maybe we won't be talking about the Bengals here anymore they're all the way down to 14 uh after oh, this week beautiful we're on the way we're on the way back up <laughs> not as high as those pittsburgh steelers who currently are 25th in the draft order. Leading the division, you know, the Steelers are uh, obviously the best team in the AFC North. So, uh, obviously. Quite obviously, uh, that's the case. <laughs> uh, let's look at that top 10 uh, quickly. Currently picking number one by way of the Carolina Panthers and the Chicago Bears. They flip-flopped uh, this week as the Bears got a dub. Carolina did not. But 
Have no fear, Bears fans. You also pick number two with your current pick. Uh, the Denver Broncos uh, lost again. They'll be picking third. They're now one and four. Minnesota also one and four, picking fourth. And they're going to be without Justin Jefferson for at least four weeks, right? He went on injured reserve today. Um, maybe a fire sale coming there pretty soon. I, I just, just, it could be. Yeah, I mean, no, it definitely could be. We'll see. We'll see. It's, it's all about the quarterback. Are they stick with Kirk Cousins and it's probably his last year there anyway? Or do you throw your hands up and say, let's, 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 Trade them away and see what we got in some of these younger guys. Yep. Uh, New England, who has scored three points in two weeks, currently averaging 11 points a game. Um, they're picking fifth. Uh, Matt Patricia was bad, but damn. Bill O'Brien somehow even worse. Can I, can I get my favorite stat from the Patriots? I want to hear it. Uh, from my friend uh, Ray Summerlin, in the last uh, two weeks, Mac Jones has been involved in plays that that um, scored three touchdowns. They've only scored three points in each game. That's uh, it's not not a recipe for winning. Not a, not a recipe for winning when they're not on your uh, side. Speaking of um, maybe poor quarterback contracts here, uh, Daniel Jones and the New York Giants sitting here at six. Uh, they're also one and four. Uh, the Bengals who beat this team picking seventh, the Arizona Cardinals. I think we're going to keep seeing them kind of tumble down. They were a fun, fun little story there for a few weeks as they were gutting, gutsy and all that. But I think the uh, lack of overall talent there is about to, uh, to start shining there a little bit. Green Bay, maybe a little surprise here, uh, at number eight. We talked about Jordan Love a few weeks ago. Maybe he was, uh, going to cement that 2020 quarterback class is the greatest ever? Uh, maybe not. Uh, pick nine, the Las Vegas Raiders, who beat Green Bay uh, on Monday night, uh, picking ninth. And the Arizona Cardinals will also have the 10th pick in the draft by way of the Houston Texans. But I think we both agree that pick might get a little bit uh, higher, or lower, I should say, down the board as we go forward. I think Houston's going to win a few games. Uh, yeah, I, I think Houston's a, a pretty good squad, so I, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, Houston versus Cleveland, because the, you know Houston had got to pick which pick they gave up in that trade up for Will Anderson. I um I did a little posted something today where I tried to project who the top ten picks would be at the end of the process, and seven I, I kept seven of these teams in, and I had three outside the top ten that I think will finish in the top 10. Uh, so, Shane, I'll ask you, you go through this same exercise. Give me three teams currently picking outside of the top 10 that you think will end up there. Ooh, that's a good that's a good question. Um, I, I'm i going to say the Tennessee Titans are one. I, I just don't see I the talent. I also have the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I don't see the talent on that squad. I think they'll kind of keep losing. Uh, I think... Ooh, um, it, it's tough. I, I mean, I, I think the Jets, you know, their defense has not been as good as we think they are. Uh, and I think that's the problem is because they're going to need that defense to hang on. And, um, 
you know, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, seems like there's some trouble brewing with Sean Watson there. And if he is not playing, I don't know if they can win another game, let alone, you know, stick outside the top 10. I also had the Jets, but if I was circling a team that might be on that Kirk Cousins market, I would say the Jets would probably be high on that list. Uh, as a as a half year rental, you're all in already this season. Only, only problem is they can't trade their first or second round pick, uh, so you know that might hinder that type of deal. That's fair. Uh, I had Atlanta as my third team, who are currently a playoff team, uh, uh, currently sitting in the wild card uh, spot based off of strength of schedule, but I, I just I don't see it with Desmond Ritter. I don't, I don't, I don't think that their offense is, is clicking enough to get them. Uh, I think they could take a tumble as well. So I, I think this week's game between Washington and Atlanta. I think whoever loses that, I'm, I'm with you. I think they're gonna start losing more. Yeah, there you go. So that's the current top ten uh, in the NFL, and that brings us to what happened in week five of the NFL. We talked about the Bengals and Steelers both getting wins. Uh, but we had three more trades that happened since we last here. And, and uh, Shane, I'm here for all these uh, sixth and seventh round pick swaps for these, uh, let's just be nice and call them underachieving players. That's nice. That is nice to say. Um, so Jake, um, Chase Claypool who the Steelers fleeced the Bears and got a second round, got the uh, basically a first round pick in last year's draft for Chase Claypool. Now in turn gets moved for a pick swap of sixth and seventh round in 2025. So about the worst possible thing you can get back. Who, who did the Steelers get with that pick? That was Joey jo- Porter Joey Jr. Joey Porter Jr., yeah. Who was so. going to be a stud. So, yeah. Uh, good job, Chicago. Good job. Uh, uh, look, I'll I'll say this: he's probably the third best receiver on Miami's team. Like my, Miami's receiver depth is not great. Braxton Berrios and uh, ch- chosen Robbie Anderson, uh, whatever his his name is at this point, um, it's not great. So the size and speed, you know, Miami likes speed. I don't think it's a bad deal for them. We'll see if they get actually anything out of him. Anything. Probably not. Probably not. Um, Randy Gregory uh, moved from Denver to San Francisco after getting to what – we, we talked about him last week, right? A, and he was a like a healthy scratch the week before. Uh, he got a big contract from Denver uh, coming over from the Cowboys, and now he's moved in a pick swap to the 49ers where he'll join an already pretty, uh, pretty stout defense. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually, there was a report they were going to cut him, and then you know, obviously, this deal took place. So, same, same deal. I think he's talented. If you're San Francisco, why not take the shot if you have the money? Uh, and uh, you, you know, like you said, you don't have to pay the whole the bonus and all that, so you might as well. And the uh, Puka Nakua made you uh, non-existent trade. Van Jefferson gets moved from the Rams to the Falcons in a late round pick swap. Yeah, that, that one's interesting to me because he was a second-round pick not too long ago. He was getting decent playing time early in the season, and once Cooper Cup came back, two snaps last week for Van Jefferson. Um, once again, 
he's probably the third or fourth best receiver, maybe third best receiver on the Falcons team. We'll see if he does anything. The Madman is back. First time this year he's got to watch us live, Shane. Oh, fifth, we're good, good. Fifth, fifth Chat grade, will be hopping. Fifth grade football uh, to keep him a man uh, occupied on Wednesday Dwayne. Nights. But he's here tonight. Good to have you back, Dwayne. Yeah, thanks for watching, Dwayne. All right. Well, before we move on from the NFL, there was a tweet I saw the other day, and I think it's pertinent for us to talk about. Uh, there was some discussion going on about how can, like, all of these teams have missed on Brock Purdy. He was the literal last pick of the draft. If you watched his college tape, it wasn't great. It was not good tape at all. There was nothing that screened Brock Purdy on tape at Iowa State that said this guy is going to never lose in the NFL as a starting quarterback, seemingly. And he's just been excellent. So uh, I want to give credit to at Rev Deuce Wyndham. I don't know who this. I don't know who he is, but this is his tweet. Not saying this is what happened, but the crazy, infuriating, et cetera part about scouting and player evaluation is you can do everything right. You can see what you're supposed to see, and you can still be wrong. The player you see in San Francisco isn't who you saw in college. Situation, coaching, and individuals on drive, et cetera, are intangibles that are either impossible to predict or impossible to properly evaluate. Even if you do a perfect trait-based evaluation and analytics back it up, you can still miss. Then you run into the word... No one likes to use luck. In short, it's difficult. Also, why I love it. Um, is that pretty spot on here on how we all missed on Brock Purdy? No, it's a great tweet because if Brock Purdy gets drafted anywhere else, this doesn't happen. You know, no. we, we have no idea. He doesn't play. He probably doesn't look good. I mean, you know, this Shanahan system, whether it's Kyle, whether it's Mike, you know, have made a lot of quarterbacks look good who weren't that great at quarterbacks. Maybe maybe Brock Purdy is awesome, you know, and he's going to have a great career there. He'll go somewhere else and continue being great. Maybe he's not. Like, maybe he is a system quarterback who's really smart, which we knew he was, and athletic, which we know he is, and accurate, which he, you know, fairly was in college. I think the one thing I take away from it, I think the tweet is accurate. There's a lot of luck involved in the NFL draft. You can read stories about why draft picks happened and and how they happened and teams lucked in, luck into all stars all the time, um, but I think there's something too. If you see a player pop early in his college career, even if he tanks, it gets worse. Maybe, maybe we got we gotta take that and say maybe there was something there. Maybe there's something that can be developed in the right situation. You know, I think Brock Purdy as a sophomore looked like a first round pick his second year. I mean, he looked like a first-round pick, and then the next two years he got worse and he got really worse. You know, it just went downhill. We could name 200 players like that, and 199 of them were, you know, didn't get drafted, were busts, never played, right? It's rare. But I think it's – I'd say a guy like Jaden Daniels at LSU. I thought he looked like a potential first-round pick at Arizona State, you know, and then, then you know, he's gone down, and then let's see what happens. I think you're muted, Brian. You'll have to pop back in. Sorry. So, uh, sa save that Jaden Daniels talk because we're going we're, we're gonna oh, to right? on him in just a minute. <laughs> but uh, Christian Hackenberg is uh, the flip side of that. Right, the guy go. who literally peaked as a freshman and was just one of the worst quarterbacks we've ever seen after that. But also drafted in the second round, not the last pick of the seventh. So 
I guess we'll continue to see on Brock Purdy. But if the Shanahan, then the flip side of that is if the Shanahan system is so easy for quarterbacks, then why did it not work for Trey Lance? But do we do we know that it didn't? I mean, how many games did he play in? That's true. Two, you know, like, look, yeah, I mean, he probably wasn't good in practice, but you probably misevaluated the fit to this. I don't think it's necessarily easy for quarterbacks. I think it's easier for quarterbacks with a certain skill set that are accurate and can make reads smartly. You don't have to have the all pro, you know, talented arm. You don't throw the ball downfield that much. I think that's the key. That's enough Brock Purdy talk, but uh, it's 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 good and it's something that's always. I mean, we're going to hear it now every year and in every NFL draft, every radio spot you're going to do from here. You did it last year. I did. I did. It was, it was I did it a ton. Who is going to be this year's Brock Purdy? You're going to hear it every year now at every radio spot you do going forward. All right, let's look back at week six of college football, and then this segment we always talk about the best offense and defensive players that we watched in a given week. Uh, Shane, I'm going to let you start this week. Give me your favorite defensive player that you watched this week. All right, we'll start defense. I'm going with Danny Stutzman, linebacker from Oklahoma. And Oklahoma beating uh, Texas this week. Uh, super impressive. An outside backer has, you know, he's big, 6'4", 236. Um, they really moved him around the defense. He played some weak side. He played some strong side. You know, even kind of lined up in my what my guess was, was the, in the mic position a couple times. Um, one and a half tackles for loss. He was playing the run really well. That was kind of his thing. Texas started running away from him and then had success. Um, nine tackles in the game, had some good coverage ability. Uh, Danny Stutzman's a, a player that had a little bit of hype coming into the year. Um, maybe as a potential day two pick. I think he's kind of working his way back up there. So a uh, name to remember. That's uh, that's a good name to remember. Uh, Shane, I didn't see a defensive player that I liked this week. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> so I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to go with two offensive guys this week. Yeah. Um, I thought Caleb Williams would have been one of these guys. I thought that would have been a slam dunk. I basically, the first Caleb Williams game I watched this year and or officially watched this year, it was his worst performance. I mean, he was still good, but it was his worst performance of the year. So I'm going to go with the guy on the other side of the field that they played against. I'm going to go with Arizona wide receiver Jacob Cowing. Uh, transfer from UTEP, uh, was targeted 13 times in this game. Didn't really... Um, beat anybody deep, uh, but caught 10 balls for 88 yards. So a lot of short game, but he was bodying up these guys, high pointing the ball in the end zone, four touchdowns uh, receiving for Cowling against the Trojans. Now, yes, their defense is god-awful, but still, four touchdowns in a game. I mean, that's Al Bundy numbers, man. <laughs> okay, he, he was good, a thousand-yard receiver last year for Arizona. I, I thought Cowing definitely had some NFL potential, and we'll see if he plays up to it. And his, you know, his teammate who's not eligible in this draft, Ted McMillan, as well for Arizona, just a great duo there. I also like Tanner McLaughlin, their uh, tight end. He he flashed a little bit to me in this game as well. Uh, Southern Utah transfer. Who was your favorite offensive player that you watched this week? I'm going with Devin Neal, running back out of Kansas. was a player I was kind of lower on coming into the season. I think we've talked about him on the show before. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, well-built at 215-ish pounds, 5'11", but ha- definitely has that deep speed. He has that third gear. Uh, and, and in this game for Kansas, uh, ran for 154 yards against UCF, 12 rushes. I mean, they just handed the ball off, and it looked like – he was he he was covered in grease. The UCF uh, defenders just couldn't tackle him. 
you know, ha- had a nice big catch in the game too. So I think Neil's an intriguing, maybe day three running back who could come in as a receiving back, come into one of these zone schemes like a, a San Francisco or Houston and give a little bit of, of juice there. So we've seen some day three running backs, rookie running backs this year. Now we're going to see some undrafted guys. Amari DiMarcado starting for Arizona. I think Devin Neal, you know, has a future in the NFL. Julio McLaughlin for uh, out in Denver from Youngstown State, big, another undrafted game. running back that's having big impact early. Don't draft first round running backs, folks. That's the that's the way it is. Just just saying. All right. So finally, the best offense player I watched this week is why I said, "Hey, we're going to talk about him in just a few minutes." Was Jaden Daniels, the quarterback at LSU, uh, two hundred and ninety yards passing against uh, Missouri on the week? I'm sorry, two hundred and. Uh, 259 yards passing, 15 completions, uh, a touchdown. He also had 15 runs for 130 yards and a touchdown. Um, In the Athletic this week, Dane Brugler's column, this stat jumped out to me. Uh, On throws of 20-plus yards this season, Daniels is completing 69% of those attempts, number one in the nation, 13 touchdowns to zero interceptions on those throws. He also leads college football in touchdown passes of 20-plus yards. And he also leads the FBS in total offense. I know you've been down on him in the past, Shane, but is what is Daniels doing this season bringing you back around on him just a little bit? It is. It was like I was saying with Purdy. Like, I mean, I thought after his first season and even that 2020 weird year that Jaden Daniels looked like a potential first-round pick, and then he shows up for his third year, so he's going to leave and, and – going to be in the 2022 draft, be a top pick. And, I mean, it was awful. Like, it was really bad. I thought last year for LSU, it was more his legs and athleticism doing the work than the passing. Um, this year, he's throwing the ball really well. Like you said, down the field is throwing the ball accurately. Um, you know, maybe it was Kayshawn Boutte and some of the weapons there just not on the same page last season. He keeps playing like this, like, like the game you lost. I mean, I think we're talking early day two. And I, you know, I could see something like what would happen to Dorian Thompson Robinson. You kind of get the day two hype. Someone takes you round four, round five, and and you get a shot. Um, but I, but I think the range is there for Jane Daniels to really be uh, talked about. He's gonna have a good All Star game circuit. We know that. Yeah, he's a guy I fully expect to be here in Mobile uh, for the for the Senior Bowl. Unless he spurns it like DTR, you know, spurns it for the Shrine game. <laughs> But uh, what a season. And, and he's got a pair of receivers that he is on board with, Malik Neighbors and uh, Brian Thomas Jr., a guy who we, we I don't know that we've talked a whole lot about, but he had a big game uh, this week as well. And he's already got, I think, nine touchdown receptions on the year, Brian Thomas Jr. does. So that LSU offense is humming. Uh, I think the only they're the only threat to Alabama and the SEC West, the final year of the SEC West uh, this year. So that's going to do it. There, uh, did anything else from this past week of college football jump out to you? Um, no, it, look, it was, it was kind of a fun week for the, for the games that I watched. I'm working through some of the other games here. Like I said, I, I think, uh, some of these ranked teams that went down, the Oklahoma, Texas game was excellent from wire to wire. So, um, yeah, that's, that's about it. I think in our, our next segment, I'll, I'll get to a little bit more of that, but yeah. Sorry, I, I needed to kill the time. I forgot to pull up the primer. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> so, uh, 
let's move on to week seven, our week seven preview here. This is where we look at the games that we are officially going to watch for the week. Eight games on the docket this week. Uh, Shane, you're already one game deep. What's that? You're already one game deep. Oh, week. yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. You had a game last night, Coastal Carolina at App State, 6.30 p.m. last night on ESPN2. Uh, I didn't catch much of this one. I was watching the money train of Jack State finally crash uh, last <laughs> night. So, But uh, what stood out to you uh, prospect-wise between App State and Coastal? Yeah, it was it was it was, it was a good close game. Um, you know, uh, Nate Noel, who I was hoping to see the running back from App State, got hurt after in his first carry of the game. So I was a little bit disappointed in that. But you know, we got to see Coastal Carolina. We talked about Grayson McCall on the show before the quarterback for Coastal Carolina had some buzz. Went back to school, had a little transfer debacle. He had a great game. He threw for almost 400 yards. Two touchdowns, no picks. Braden Bennett, their running back, was really impressive. Got them the win. Um, and, you know, we got to see Sam Pinckney show off for them, who's uh, been a receiver we're kind of looking for. Yeah, so so it was it was a, a good game for a coastal offense and uh, got, got to really evaluate some of those players. Tomorrow night on Fox Sports 1, I will be watching uh, at 6 p.m. West Virginia at Houston. West Virginia surprisingly 4-1 on the year. Uh, Neil Brown came in on the hottest of hot seats, uh, seems to have cooled it down. But the his uh, the opposing coach uh, might his seat might be getting a little hot. Old Holgo there, Dana Holgerson, not uh, underachieving a bit there at Houston this year. But that's not stopping my man Donovan Smith from putting up big numbers so far this year. He's having uh, some success for the Cougars so far i'm very looking forward to seeing their offensive tackle patrick paul i've heard a lot of good things about him on the west virginia side uh interior offensive lineman doug Nestor, their edge rusher sean martin uh also zach frazier on the interior of the offensive line a couple of guys that i want to see yeah a lot of line watching in this game but that that sean martin for west virginia against patrick paul against houston i i hope to hear that they matched up against each other because those are two potential day two prospects that, uh, you know, you're going to get a good evaluation if that happens. I think so as well. Uh, Friday night, 7 p.m. on CBS Sports Network, I'll be watching Fresno State at Utah State. There's not a lot of prospect watching in this one, uh, but one guy, a couple of wide receivers for each team. One, uh, Terrell Vaughn from Utah State, a little small guy, 5'7", 170. But we're starting to see those guys trickle in the NFL uh, a little bit more now and having some success. Uh, and Jalen Gill from uh, Fresno State's another guy, uh, another wide receiver to watch in this one. Yeah, Jalen Gill's having a good season. Former Ohio State, transferred to Boston College, transferred to Fresno State, uh, running back who's converted to receiver. So he has the athleticism four-star uh, recruit who's doing well. Is that, you know, the Fresno State offense can always score. Yep. Uh, it's your turn now on Saturday afternoon, Shane. I finally let you have a South Carolina game. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I saw in your mock draft that came out this past Monday. Go to draftcountdown.com and check that out. I have beat Shane down enough to Xavier Leggett, a top 45 draft pick, the wide receiver from South Carolina. Shane, uh, glad to see I'm, I'm having some influence on you a little bit. Um, Florida, their corner, Jason Marshall, we were 
I think both high on him coming into the season. He is struggling bad out there this week, or out there this season, I should say. Uh, but their receiver that I think is really fun is Ricky Pearsall, uh, a guy to watch there, one of the better receivers in the SEC. And South Carolina's got some guys on the defensive front that I think you're going to be very interested in watching uh, this week. That is yeah. Boogie Huntley, um, mm-hmm. Tonka Hemingway, and TJ Sanders are, are three guys that South Carolina rotates in that they're, they're very fun. Yeah, you, you talked about TJ Sanders, so I haven't focused on him too much yet, so I'm excited to see him in this game. Tonka Hemingway, you can see the potential. You know, there he doesn't always get it done. I, I, I'm i still not a Xavier Leggett fan. I think he'll go way too high in the draft at this point. But uh, I, I will I will concede that he'll be, you know, right now playing like a day two pick uh, ultimately. And, and, yeah, Florida, it's been kind of a rough going for them uh, in terms of prospects playing well. Um, uh, Princely Uman Mielin is a player on the edge rusher who I want to see a little bit more of. Uh, he's definitely a name that was on my list at the beginning of the season that I want to see some more of. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And, you know, Graham Mertz for Florida, the quarterback, awful at Wisconsin. He's tough. He's he's one of those Sean Clifford types that I'm like, the NFL is going to like him a lot more than anyone watching him will. Uh, he's completing 80% of his passes on the season, but the last two games his average depth of target is round about uh, three and a half yards. That's <laughs> wild. So, and hey, Mario Anderson, the running back, D2 transfer Newberry, has uh, been a bright spot for South Carolina in their last two games. That brings us to the game of the week, and I'll be watching this one, 2.30 on ABC. Uh, Oregon at Washington. This is the battle. The winner, the quarterback who has the gets the win in this game has to be the Heisman, maybe the Heisman front runner, right? Uh if it's they have a big game between Bo Nix at Oregon and Michael Penix Jr. from Washington, there's a lot of talent in this game. We've talked about Washington. We've talked about both teams a lot. Washington has, and they they should get all of them. I think they had some injuries, but all three of their wide receivers should play this week. We're talking about um, Roma Dunze, uh, Jalen McMillan, and Jalen Polk all should play this week. They've got a pair of edge rushers we like, Braylon Trice and uh, CTF. Oregon, just they're loaded as well. I really took a shining to Bucky Irving. They're running back. I watched him against Colorado a few weeks ago. Uh, liked him a lot. And I want to see the uh, Rhode Island transfer and offensive tackle a little bit more, A.J. Cornelius. Yeah, I'm glad Jalen McMillan is playing for Washington. It seems he was hurt last week, so you're going to get that kind of full staff. And got to mention Troy Franklin, the receiver for Oregon, who might be the best of the group in this game. So we're expecting high-flying offense, which usually means the opposite. Um, you know, Oregon has some defenders, too, that are pretty good. Brandon Dorless, the defensive lineman, we've talked about a couple times. So I'm interested to see if, if maybe they can get a big playoff here or there. Not sure not sure if the over-under has moved. It started at 68 and a half. I'm not sure where it's at now. I might take the over on that one. That's why I said I don't know where it's at now. Yeah. I, I saw that initially. Like, that's getting bet up here pretty quick. Uh, 6 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. Shane, you'll be watching Arizona at Washington State. We just talked about Jacob Cowling. And um, I told you I liked uh, Tanner McLaughlin, their tight end. 
Uh, I want to hear your thoughts or maybe hear your thoughts next week on their offensive tackle, Jordan Morgan, who I know is uh, well thought of as a potential, potential first round pick. And we've talked about uh, Cam Ward, the quarterback for Washington State. Uh, was he is he going to be available to play? I know he was hurt. Uh, it's looking – it's not definite, but it looks like he will be able to play, so hopefully. So uh, anybody else in this game that you're looking forward to watching? I mean, Morgan, Jordan Morgan is definitely the player I want to watch. Um, I also like the edge rushers for Washington State, Brendan Jackson specifically, so hoping we could see some of that matchup would be a good evaluation. Uh, 6.30 p.m. on the SEC Network, Shane. You'll be watching Missouri at Kentucky. I got a good look at Missouri last week. I thought their quarterback, Brady Cook, uh, has played well this season. Uh, but, it, you know, he come into the game with like 366 passes without incompletion or interception and then threw two against LSU. Um, so I'm the bad luck guy, I guess. Chris Abrams Drain, I mentioned him a little bit last week, Mobile native. Uh, he had a good game against LSU for the most part. So those are a couple guys. Kentucky, uh, we got to talk about Ray Davis. Or You know what? We'll talk about Ray Davis a little bit more later. But we're definitely con- – spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> who else on Kentucky? Uh, Devin Weary, he ain't yet, is he? Nah, I, like, I, I was hoping, but no. I, I don't think Devin Weary is the NFL prospect that some thought he might be. Um, you know, I, I do like their kind of lines. Marquise Cox, the offensive tackle at Kentucky, a good mover, good with his hands. I like their edge rusher, J.J. Weaver, ha- has had some big games, some games where he's disappeared, kind of a tough evaluation. So interested in those guys. And on the Missouri side, uh, Tyron Hopper, the linebacker, is probably my favorite of their defense. Uh, but Chris Abrams' drain, the corner, is getting some hype too. We talked earlier about running backs that are going to go undrafted but, you know, end up making an impact in the NFL career. Uh, Missouri has, I think, one of those guys in uh, Cody Schrader. I think is a guy who's probably – if he gets drafted, I think it's going to be late. He uh, transferred up from D2 Truman State, and is, uh, he's got he's got an NFL skill set. I'll give him that. Uh, I don't know if he's much of a prospect, but I love the name on Kentucky defensive lineman Octavius Oxendine. That's just a – Fun name. Uh, yeah, that is a good name. I, I don't uh, – I'll have to look at my notes, see if I have anything on them. But, yeah, that's all name team right there. All name. Uh, 7 p.m. on ESPNU. I'll be watching UAB at UTSA. Just the all-acronym bowl here. A uh, couple players I'm keeping an eye on here uh, from UAB, their wide receiver, Tejon Parker. Uh, 6'2", 2'10", and for UTSA, I wish Zachary Franklin had just stayed. I, I tweeted that out earlier. He's no targets in like two or three weeks there at Ole Miss, and just it ain't working out. Maybe he should have just stayed here. I don't know. But DeCorian Clark is still here, and so is uh, Joshua Cephas. They're two good quality uh, wide receivers for the Rovers. Yeah, they're- Corey Clark hasn't played yet this season, well, so Zachary so Franklin, Zachary Franklin would have would have been able to just keep his position essentially. Joshua Cephas, Joshua is Cephas well. is he's playing well. He's so. playing well, and Frank Harris finally came back last week against Temple, so you get to see him. I, you know, I think he's kind of an intriguing taxi squad. Let you know, let's have this guy be Lamar Jackson on the. He's going to be a uh, fine USXFL quarterback. Uh, there you go, there you go. Yeah, USFL baby, it's uh, it's coming. So uh, Oscar Cardenas, the tight end for UTSA, I like as well. It's a big boy, two eighty five. 
285. He can, he can block, a, too. That, that is our candidate for move to offensive tackle. There <laughs> There's my guy. He can catch, though. You know, he's I found him. Ahead. All right, so that's going to do it for our Week 7 preview. Now we're going to move on to our uh, FanDuel-powered segment here, the Lock of the Week. Shane, you got to get it going, man. You are struggling, man. Oh, two in a row. Two in a Damn. row. Uh, last week, uh, who did you have last week? Washington I State. I, yeah, I it was, got that wasn't in. as miserable of a fail as no. Illinois the week no, before. Uh, I lost last week by a point. Oh, rough. Had Colorado minus three and a half. And I told you, Shane, I told you on the show last week, this feels trappy. It feels trappy. And Ooh, damned was. if it wasn't. Colorado wins by a field goal, uh, which is a half point less than three and a half. So, to get back this week, I'm going to go out to the Mountain West, and I'm going to bet against the worst team in the country. That's always good. And the athletics' top 133 teams, Nevada, is dead last. But UNLV has been fun. Uh, Their offense has been fun to watch. Uh, I actually want to watch them a little bit later this season, hopefully. Uh, but I'm going to take UNLV, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, on the road in Reno at Nevada. They play for some kind of wagon wheel, I think, or something. Ooh. Look, that's that's exciting. You'll have to come back with, with what trophy is out there. Um, I, I definitely, you know, I hate taking teams on the road, but I, I, there, I was between two big schools on the road. I got to go USC plus three at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's played for seven straight weeks. Um, you know, and, and USC's getting penalized, I think, for going to overtime with Arizona. But ultimately, Caleb Williams and that offense, they're going to score a lot more points against Notre Dame than Ohio State did. And I don't necessarily – I'm sure Sam Hartman will have success. We talked about the USC defense being really bad. But Southern Cal, I think they win this game. I think, I think they're a better team than Notre Dame. I'll take three points, and you know maybe it's a close one. I like the pick because I and this was my thought last week when Notre Dame played Louisville, and I actually picked Louisville and, and my little pick 'em spread deal. Uh, I don't think Notre Dame can score the points they need to 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 win this game. I mean, I think they're going to need 35, 40 points to win, and I don't think they got it in them. Yeah, even against you know Southern Cal's defense, I don't yeah, see it, which is bad. We're not saying that. They're they're bad. All right. So last week we talked quarterbacks, and we we, – so let's preface this by saying these are the top five of the position that we expect to enter the 2024 NFL draft. It's a little bit easier with running backs, though, right, because we pretty much expect all of them to enter because they they usually do. So – so with that being said, we're gonna talk. We're gonna we're gonna go with our top five running backs, as they stand right now, that we expect to enter the twenty twenty four NFL draft, and I think we're gonna be all over the place on this one. Last week we were pretty lockstep for the most part, one through five. Uh, I don't think that's gonna be the same here. You're definitely more in tune with running backs and their potential in the NFL than I am, so I'm anxious to see how your list goes. So let's start at the top, Shane. Who is RB1 for you? It's it's tough. I think running back is tough. I don't think there's a clear cut. This guy's a first-round pick. I My number one is Braylon Allen, running back for Wisconsin. 6'2", 238 pounds, 4'4 speed. 
he's young. He's going to be 20 years old in the NFL. You know, came out as a 17-year-old freshman and dominated in the Big Ten. He's a little bit limited in terms of agility. You know, so he's not going to have great shovel times or anything like that. But I think when you get this, like, big, fast, uh, athletic runner in Wisconsin smash mouth offense that, that we've seen the past couple years, you see that gap scheme play out this year. We saw Wisconsin move to a spread and guess what? Braylon Allen's catching passes. He's, he's caught more passes already and half Something a season. We never he, saw Jonathan Taylor do right. More, more passes caught in half a season so far than his whole career combined uh, up to this point. So uh, I think now you're getting the full skill set for Braylon Allen. I just think the upside's there. He's not a perfect prospect. I don't think he's a first-round pick necessarily, but uh, he's going to be one of those after the combine that we're like, whoa, you know, this guy should be the top running back in the class, and uh, I think he will be. My top running back, and like I'm with you, this is it was it was hard because I don't think any of these guys are first-round picks, and I'm, I'm I, I don't know that I take any of these guys before the halfway point of the second round. That's kind of where I'm at right now with them, but my top running back is Florida State's Trey Benson. I think he's got the long speed. I at 6'1", 215. I've seen enough of him catching the football and pass blocking that I trust him. I, I think he's like I said, he's gonna probably run in that maybe low four five range, if I had to guess. But Trey Benson, I've seen enough from him last year and this year to put him in the top spot temporarily at the very least. No, I think he's a definite contender. You can see the NFL potential. It's it's just been rough this year. Like LSU, Clemson, any good defense. I mean, he he's missing holes. Like there's been some problems with Trey Benson this year. I kind of expected him to take that next step. And if he did, he would be my number one running back. Um, you know, he is on my list. We'll get to him. But uh, like you said, can catch the football, is athletic. Yeah, he, he's he's definitely a favorite of mine and and Imagine him in Oregon's offense right now, too. It would be wild when he transferred to Florida State after his first year. Yeah, there you go. Who's, uh, who's number two on your board? Number two, I'm going with Travion Henderson, running back for Ohio State. I think from a pure skill set standpoint, when Travion Henderson is on the field and 100% healthy, he's the best running back in this class. I think he's the most athletic. He's got the deep speed. Uh, he makes guys miss. He takes good angles. Like He does everything well. He had a major injury last year, just missed this past week against Maryland with another injury. If it wasn't for injuries, I think Trayvon Henderson could be a first-round pick. I had him in the first round of my mock draft. I think if he plays the rest of the season, he's going to have a good combine. He was the only five-star recruit of this recruiting class of these three-year players um, in this running back group. So I, think, I still think that potential is there for him to be even a top-tier NFL running back, but he's got to stay healthy, and, and that's been the problem. I remember his first game as a true freshman was against Minnesota, right? It was like on a was it Thursday night or Friday night, and everybody was just in awe, right? Uh, uh, the first time he touched the touched the field. Um, my number two is Braylon Allen for all the reasons that you mentioned and the uh, the receiving. So we don't have to really elaborate on him uh, much anymore. So I'll go to my number three, and this is a guy that. Injuries as well have, have kept him out this season. A guy that we were big hype on, uh, Raheem Rocket Sanders for Arkansas, my number three running back uh, currently in this class, built like a a brick outhouse, if you will, 
and uh, runs like it too, but has the speed to break away. Uh, like I said, but just injuries are, are what's keeping him down for me a little bit right now as we haven't seen a whole lot in the 2023 season. He, he is teetering on my top five, but I, I don't think he comes out. I think after this injury, after the poor season, uh, like so far, we'll see what the rest of the season brings. Maybe he breaks out, and we saw it last year. You saw it uh, against, unfortunately, your South Carolina game cost. I mean, Rocket Sanders at 225 can, can you know, move and hit and is tough. I mean, he has the skill set, but, yeah, same thing. A knee injury is just nasty, and he's definitely not 100%. I, I almost – I expect him to go back to school. I think he's going to have to go another year and then could compete to be the top running back maybe in 2025. I, I thought about that logic as well and keeping him off, but I just am of the mindset that running backs, even with injuries, why spend another year? And then we've seen it countless times, whether it's a mistake or not, we've seen it. So that's why I left him on the list. Who's your number three? My number three was a Heisman contender last year, and that's Blake Corum, the running back for uh, University of Michigan. Uh, I didn't expect to have him here before the season. I, I wouldn't have thought he'd be in my top five. I, I was not even super impressed by last season, that 1,500 yards, 18 touchdowns, had the ACL injury. I was like, yeah, there's no way he's coming back from that and being effective. And he has come from back from that and been effective. Been effective. Yeah. Now, Michigan, Michigan also has six – NFL offensive lineman, you know, I think it helps maybe a little eight. bit, maybe, <laughs> maybe more. Um, but he scored a touchdown in every game, you know, can, can as good hands can catch the football, but they don't use him like that. You know, he's very shifty in space, just tough to bring down straight on. I like that. I, I you know, I kind of like the short five, eight, he's five, eight, two thirteen. He's listed. I like the short running backs because they're, they're tough to bring down. He's pretty compact and built and muscular. Uh, I think Blake Corm kind of has it. His teammate Donovan Edwards, I had above him before the season, has stunk. He's been really bad this year, uh, and Corn's taken hold of that. So I think the NFL's going to love him. If 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 you had to make me bet on a running back to be the first taken in this draft, I think Blake Corn is going to be the first. I don't think he should, but I think he will. I think an NFL team's just going to, you know, be suckered right into him. Yeah, because it's it's going to be hard because you can't. You're just like okay, let's see what his what, what his tape looks like when he doesn't have, you know, an offensive line, right? You're not going to see that because Michigan's has one of the best offensive lines the last four straight years. So it's, yeah. it's not tape you're going to get. Um, Corum is my number four. So we don't have to elaborate much on that as well. So let's, uh, let's move on to your number four. Now I'm, I'm waiting to hear a name that I haven't heard yet that I saw you talking up. I wonder if he's going to get in this uh, top five here. Number four is Trey Benson. So I'm with you on Trey Benson from Florida State. I think he belongs in the top five despite some tough games. But this, this week against Virginia Tech, 200 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, Benson was when, – when he gets some blocking in front of him, he's legitimate. So I'm still still on the Trey Benson day two tree. All right. Number five for me, teased him a little bit earlier, is Kentucky's Ray Davis. Uh, transferred from Virginia. Uh, this guy – he did it against Georgia this week. Looked good. He had the big 200-plus yard game a few weeks ago. He catches the ball. He's electric in the open field. There's going to be NFL teams. I think when you mentioned Blake Corb, they're like, hey, this guy fits everything we want to do. I think Ray Davis fits NFL offenses like a glove, and he's going to go higher, I think, 
than a lot some of these other guys we've already talked about. I, I really I liked him at Vanderbilt. I thought he was electric there and moves over to Kentucky this year and has just gotten even better. Yeah, I mean, he would be my number six because I think Rocket Sanders and Will Shipley from Clemson go back to school. So Ray Davis would be my number six from Kentucky. Yeah, it, it has been great. I'm with you. Like Vanderbilt, he popped, and then Michigan State was just such a, a you know absolute you know absolute kind of crap that it was tough for him to shine. And now he's he's shining even against Georgia. I mean, he was running over. Georgia defenders who are going to play in the NFL. And you're like, okay, you know, this guy at 200 pounds is legit. My, my big worry with Ray Davis is he's going to be 24 years old at the time of the draft. And the draft of running back is 24. Like, he's going to be old before that rookie contract, uh, before the ink is dry on that rookie contract, according to the NFL running back. So that's the only tough thing to get over. It is what it is. Um, who is – can I take a guess? As a I, I, I think you got it. I think you know who it is. Who is it? Is it Texas running back Jonathan Brooks? Yes, it is. Texas running back Jonathan Brooks is my number five and maybe should be higher. Um, I, I was going to make him my offensive player of the week. I was like, we're going to talk about him anyway. I mean, you know, we had B. John Robinson. We had Roshan Johnson last year. If those guys weren't there, Jonathan Brooks is, you know, is, is going to – would have been the guy. And I think we would have been talking about him a lot more. There's three straight, four straight hundred yard games. Um, you know, five touchdowns in the last, in the last uh, three games, like he dominated Oklahoma. Once they started kind of running away from Stutzman's side, Brooks was breaking bigger runs, kept them in that game. Um, the, the receiving abilities there, he had five catches against Oklahoma there. He, he was the weapon. And he was not the starter coming into the year. I mean, C.J. Baxter, the true freshman, five-star true freshman, was supposed to be the starter, got hurt, and Brooks has not looked back at that job. He was a high recruit, third year, six foot two oh seven, good size, can run through you, can run around you. I, I mean, if he keeps playing like this, I, I think Jonathan Brooks is on that trajectory, you know, to be um, to compete for the top running back in the class too. I was just about to mention that uh, I put a, I put the tweet up in my column this week uh, from friend of the program Andrew Harbaugh, and he said, you know, we haven't had an emergence at running back this year. Is Jonathan Brooks RB one? Question mark. Very well could be. Uh, I haven't watched Texas yet. I've got to do that in the next few weeks. I really need to lock that down and uh, to get that tape in. Uh, we while we're talking about running backs, our, our friend uh, from the Hula Bowl and Draft Diamonds uh, draft guy Jimmy. I will say who our top group of five running back is. I, I, I bet we have the same one, I would guess, right? I would assume that we have the same one. If, if the same one you have is Frank Gore Jr. from Southern Miss, then that is yes. who I have as well. Yeah, I actually have an, an FBS, an, an FBS uh, or FCS running back ahead of any G5 running back. Which is, which is, I would assume, to be Isaiah Davis from South Dakota State. Correct. Okay. That's, uh, that's fair. Uh no offense to Dwayne, if you're still listening, uh, Frank Gore Jr. should have transferred or just came out last year because uh, that, that team is doing him absolutely no favors uh, for this year's draft eval. Good save, that, that was fun. I love talking running backs. Yeah, I know fun. you do. And next week, 
wide receiver, Shane. Oh, we're we're just going to keep it in your wheelhouse. We'll get to tight ends in two weeks where we come around to where I, yeah. where I, what I the position that I love. But, uh, there you go. But wide receivers, we'll stay in your wheelhouse next week. One last thing before we go to questions uh, here. It's something that came up this week. The NFL apparently pushed for the The 2028 Olympics are going to be in Los Angeles. We're going to get flag football as an Olympic sport, Shane. I love it. I love it. Look, I'll, I'll take as close to football as we can get as an Olympic sport. I, I want to see. I want to see if some of these uh, countries, what kind of flag football teams they're going to field. You know, even the U.S. I don't know who's going to play, but it's exciting. I mean, they had one was, uh, in the article I read about. They said they had the World Games, which I don't know what that is. Apparently, it's a thing, and it, apparently, it happened in Birmingham. Wow. So. Hey. Right, right in your wheelhouse there. Yeah, so they had flag football there as a sport, and uh, the U.S. won the gold there. I can't re- I can't remember who the runners-up were, but uh, Mexico actually won the gold in women's flag football and the World Games. Uh, the U.S. finished second. So anxious to see it. I- I'm looking forward to it. Uh, there were some yeah. other sports because uh, you can add the host country apparently gets can add five sports. To each Olympics, it's so weird. That's so I, weird. I, right. I, 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 <laughs> Whatever I, you want. I, I didn't know this was a thing. So, but apparently, soft women's softball is coming back. It's I it's love that. Love that. Sport. Love that. Uh, baseball is coming back to the Olympics. Oh, they haven't okay. had it. Uh, I don't think they really need it. But okay. No. Um, cricket is getting added to the, the U.S. The U.S. pick cricket? The U.S. pick cricket. Wow. Uh, I, I don't think the U.S. will be meddling in cricket. No, I hope no, not. Th- this does not feel like a U.S. Uh, sport. <laughs> that though, and There was another sport uh, that was also at. I can't remember what the other one. But flag football. Looking forward to it uh, five years from now in the uh, 2028 Olympics. Always. I, mean, I, I think eSports, too, is, is being added. So we actually That's get like. Well, well, and it's in the Olympics. And then half the games they're playing are just sport games. So they should you know. have added bowling or something if you're gonna. Do that. <laughs> one of the one of the games is, is dancing. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. You'll you'll love flag it. You'll football. love it. I, I, flag I like football. Flag now. football. Flag football. Okay. I will watch flag football in the Olympics. All right. Uh, we kind of had a question in the comments, so I'll bring it up first, and then we'll go to the one question we had on Discord. Uh, no questions on Twitter. Uh, Jimmy also asked, uh, I guess it came through when we were talking about the Oregon-Washington game, uh, keep an eye on defensive back Kyrie Jackson at Oregon. Uh, any thoughts on him? Yeah, he was he was a transfer from Alabama, kind of a, a high recruit, athletic, big, long guy that just never, I don't know, ne- never played at Alabama. So, um, you know, from, from what I've seen so far, he's getting some playing time and has looked good. Definitely ha- looks like an NFL player, you know, and a lot of times those like corner safeties, you know, we've seen the big, long physical players get drafted higher than we think. So I think that's a good call by, uh, by our boy, Jimmy. Yep. I will definitely keep an eye out uh, for him this week. Uh, let's go to discord where Zach asks, uh, what does the wide receiver formerly known as AD? I think he's talking about a Donnie Mitchell. You said, uh, who's at, currently at Texas, transferred from Georgia. What's he got to do to become a first-round talent? He just has to kind of keep playing like he's playing. Um, you know, Texas, we'll talk receivers next week, but Xavier Worthy, uh, their third-year players, kind of gotten all the hype. But uh, Donnie Mitchell, the past couple weeks, you know, the, the Kansas game especially, has been 
a big, you know, a big part of that. 6'4", 200 pounds, uh, rare X receiver. And, you know, Georgia just – they were just running the ball all the time, right? So he transfers to this high-flying offense and is starting and getting used. I think he's just got to catch more than three passes a game and and um, come down the stretch. But he has the athleticism and size, and that's half the battle. There's a reason uh, Xavier Worthy is getting that hype. That is some elite-level speed yeah. that Mr. Worthy has. All right. So that's going to do it for tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for joining in uh, tonight. We have uh, a lot of listeners tonight, so that's good to see. After a few, Dwayne, you're the catalyst out there. You, you get the people listening. Um, so, yeah. Uh, f- final thoughts, Shane. On, on uh, Talk about your mock draft this week. Yeah, it was, it was kind of exciting to do a mock draft with a more current NFL draft order. Now, I, I didn't, with the newborn, I didn't feel like scrambling Sunday night and moving things around. So I kind of took the order from the week before. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was kind of interesting to see some of the changes. I had some big changes, some players getting in there, some players that didn't make it that I'm like, ah, I probably should have included them. Uh, but check it out four quarterbacks in the first round, which I think is a little bit rare. Um, and you know, definitely some new names in that first round and some that fell pretty far that I've had and kind of held on to, you know, guys like a Jason Marshall from Florida, Kalen King from Penn state that I think are falling down the board a bit. Uh, because of the poor play, uh, I started to kind of make some of those adjustments. Yeah, that draft order is going to look a little bit different the next time I come around, uh, like five weeks from now. So <laughs> I'm anxious to see. I don't. I don't think the Bengals will be picking number eight uh, the next time. Look, you 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 just got to be happy that you got Brock Bowers in, in some world. In some world. In your there. mock draft, I got Brock Bowers going eighth to the Bengals and Xavier Leggett is a top 45 pick. It was a great mock draft as far as I was concerned uh, <laughs> from, from that perspective. But, yeah, it was good stuff. Uh, I had a couple of fun things come out. This, Like I said, I had the top 10 projections come out yeah, uh, this week. And we're going to get our first college football uh, power rankings are going to come out on Friday. Ooh, that's exciting. Uh Old pigskin Paul is a carryover from GBN. He said he asked me today if he could keep it going here. I said, you know what, Paul? Hey. Whatever Paul I wants to do, it. he can do. I love it. Let's Including blocking all of you listening on Twitter. He can do that yep. too. If you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you are currently blocked on Twitter. You're by probably, if you are not, please tweet us and let us know. Uh, so so we can get you blocked because we don't want you to feel like that. <laughs> Jesus. That's going to do it for tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. As always, you can, uh, if you're new to this channel on YouTube and you would like to uh, keep seeing these things, just go ahead and subscribe to that channel, man, We're, and hit that notification bell. We're going live each and every Wednesday night. Uh, and Brad's been doing a lot of good stuff. He's on vacation right now, but Brad's been uh, doing a lot of stuff with our social media and getting a lot of shorts up. So you want to see those shorts. They're really good. Uh, that Brad's been putting up for us. Um, if you're listening to this on an audio platform, be it Spotify or Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, subscribe to the channel there as well, and share it out. We would love to get that, get those numbers out greater to a greater audience. Uh, if you're not Pigskin Paul and you want to follow us on Twitter, follow me on Twitter, at Deep Fried Draft. Follow Shane on Twitter, at Shane P. Hallam. Follow Draft Countdown on Twitter, at Draft Countdown. And as always, for all of your NFL draft coverage, go to draftcountdown.com. For Shane, I'm Brian. 
Good night, everybody.